0: This morning. What we like to do the first Sunday of each month is pause for a reflection on why we do what we do. And the fact that this happens to be the weekend we celebrate our independence as a nation, I think is pretty significant that this is also the day we celebrate our freedom as a people. It started not just with us, <clears throat> didn't start with America, but the idea of freedom was actually something God designed for us. He created us to live and delight. In joy, in fulfillment. And we know the story of the bondage that happens when people push back from God and say, We're going to do it ourselves. This is what happened when Abraham's people pushed back against God and said, Yeah, we're, we're going to do it our way. And we find that that's what happened in the Genesis story. They found themselves in doing it their way, they were enslaved. 400 years in egypt before they finally cried out to god and said we've had enough doing it our way we're ready for you to rule again we're ready for the reign of god over his people we're ready to submit to your ways and to make you the one true focus of our lives and that was when god stepped in and said then if you're ready for freedom here's the here's the price tag it's going to cost the life of one thing to pay for the sins of another so he told them to take a lamb, a perfect, sinless, coarse little creature, to slaughter it and then take the blood from the lamb and paint it over the doorposts of every home that wanted God's forgiveness. And what he said was that the angel of death, the angel of judgment, as it were in the Hebrew, the angel of judgment, as it passed through the land of Egypt, would strike every household, taking the life of the firstborn, but for every family, every home every dwelling that had the blood of the lamb over its door the angel would pass over that home the judgment would pass over the home where the blood had paid the atonement price that was the freedom that began the Old Testament story of Exodus that as the angel of judgment came over the land of Egypt that night Every one of those that had the blood there had the atonement, something that paid for the freedom from judgment. It's interesting, you flash forward, that launched the Old Covenant, which was the Old Testament. The people left Egypt, found their freedom. Of course, God delivered them, and we get the Ten Commandments. We get the covenant we call Old Covenant, the Old Testament, that Moses brought. And then flash forward to, of course, the time when Jesus came. And where Jesus said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open a new covenant between people and God. And it's open to everyone, not just Jewish people, not just people who are Hebrews. This is open to anyone. And here's how you enter this covenant. I'm going to be the lamb. I'm going to be the sinless one that gives up my life. And my blood is going to be spilled for all humanity and for whomever believes, to all who received him, he said. They'll be called the children of God. And the idea is this, that Jesus paid the atoning price that his sacrifice became the judgment. He took the judgment of you and me so that his blood became like that blood painted over the doorpost. So everyone who's received that gift of Jesus' sacrifice, when he said it is finished, he's saying I paid the price. Everything is now covered for all who believe. And so you and I, as we celebrate today, what we're celebrating is the coming out of our slavery, our bondage, to old ways of thinking, old ways of living. When we said, I'm done with that life. I'm done with bondage, those things. I want want the life of freedom that God has promised. I want to enter into the life that Jesus offers to everyone who believes we celebrate today, that day when he celebrated, he gave up his life. When we take this, in the four corners of the room, there's a station with little... Wafers and little cups. And those represent the body and blood of Jesus that were sacrificed to give you freedom. To celebrate your coming out of slavery. And it's like in the day of judgment when God sends his angels to judge the earth. The angels of judgment will pass over just like the early Passover will pass over all who have the blood of the lamb in their hearts. And what we celebrate today, that little wafer represents the body that was given. The little cup represents the blood that was poured out. So everyone who receives will have not only forgiveness, but life. So as we go to the next two songs, this Independence Weekend, this Freedom Weekend, this Celebration of Life Weekend, I want you to take that cup with special remembrance of what Jesus gave in order for you not only to be free for a little bit, but for eternity, free from judgment, free from the condemnation of sin, and free to live God's plan for your life. During the next two songs, at any point you want to go to one of the four stations, if you wish to participate, you don't have to be a member of Journey, but you do have to be a person who has made that decision, a full surrender of God to to God of your life, receiving the forgiveness of your sins. And a celebration of God's love, love and leading of your life as his follower. So as we worship, make your way to the one's stations anytime during the next few songs. And then take them back to your seat during the worship at any time. You can just receive those in celebration of God's goodness. So let's worship together.
1: Journey. Y'all can have a seat. My name is Randall, and I get to deliver the tithe message this morning. Uh, Some of y'all might know my wife is is a little bit pregnant, so she gets to deliver a baby, and I get to deliver the tithe message. Same, same, but different, I think. Uh, Well, I've learned as she's come further and further in her pregnancy, uh, she is getting wiser and wiser, and I just agree with everything she says. So, yesterday morning, we woke up and she said, Hey, I really think we should start a 1500 piece puzzle. And I said, That sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. And so we did. So we were putting this puzzle together and we're kind of talking about what I could maybe talk about for the tithe message. And, and she came up, all credit to her, uh, with, with this kind of analogy. You know, sometimes it feels like just one puzzle piece, it's not that important, right? 1500 pieces. There's just one little piece. It's not important until it's the only one that's missing. And then it's really important. Uh, And I think sometimes we can feel that way in a church. We can feel that way with our tithe. You know, what's my one gift going to be? It's just one little gift. It might be $20. It might be, you know, five bucks here and there. Can't be that important, right? Look at the size of this church. And we forget that puzzles, you know, there's a big picture to it, right? Right? there's a there's an image that we're trying to create and more importantly there's a designer and in this kind of puzzle of the church there's the ultimate designer that has pieced this thing together and it's a complete picture and it's a complete church and it takes every single piece and so whether that piece is just you in being a member of this church or whether that piece is your tithe specifically your small gift That allows us to create this designed image of what God intended Journey Church to be here in the Antelope Valley. That we could be a beacon for this community. That we could be a a place of refuge and a place of hope in this community. And it can't be done without every single piece being a part of that puzzle, right? And I think sometimes we forget, we feel insignificant, we feel small because... This building is huge, and there's no way your tithe is going to pay for everything that this church needs. And we forget how important it is that each piece actually matters so much for that perfect picture to come to fruition. Uh, and so this morning, we're going to collect an offering here physically. We also, if you need to, you can give your tithe online. You can go to adjourney.com. You can text GIVE to 661-441-3511. Uh, the ushers are going to pass buckets through here in just a moment. But as they come forward, I just want to say a blessing that we might remember the significance of our peace, the significance of our part in this puzzle that God is weaving and creating for us here in the AV. So bow your heads with me today. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for, for a country where we're able to worship and we're able to, to show your love for our communities. And we're able to do that freely and we're able to do that without fear of persecution, we're able to do that uh, here in a country that allows us to do it. And just grateful that we're all pieces in this puzzle that you've put together, that here in the Antelope Valley, here in Palmdale, in Lancaster, that we might be playing a role in a picture that we can't comprehend. We might not see the whole picture that's on the box, but I would pray that you would help us to live that picture out, and that our tithes, our offerings this morning would be a blessing for those who need it. That this church would use them to further your impact and further your presence here on earth it's in your name we pray amen well hey my wife is going to join me on stage now for some announcements but as we do if you're in fifth or sixth grade you can head out the main doors into the lobby go meet your group leader um have fun enjoy your walk to the other building and we'll see you after church also if you're new here I feel like I've seen a lot of new faces this summer, and that's so exciting, so exciting. So if you're new, welcome. We're glad you've joined us this morning. Uh, We do have a hot spot, so out these doors and to the right, we'd love to give you a little gift that just kind of says, hey, thanks for coming to Journey today, Uh, and love to get you connected. So come and meet somebody after church. We'd love to kind of introduce you to some folks around.
2: Hey, good morning. My name's Ashley and I wanted to start by making you aware of some resources. So Randall's already mentioned the hot spot um, and that's like our information desk. So certainly if you're new, we want you to stop by, but if you have any questions about the announcements we're going through or anything about Journey, that's really gonna be your your go-to spot. Um, We also have a cry room in the back left corner of this space. So if you're here with a little one that gets a bit fussy and you find yourself needing some privacy, know that you can go into this space that's meant for you going to be able to see and hear
1: the message yeah and first announcement we've got the barbarian circle starting back up again so if you don't know the barbarian circle is a men's group here at journey church Uh, it's going to be meeting this friday the 12th and that's at 7 p.m and you're not going to have to go to somebody's crib dad joke there we go yep we'll just enjoy this pregnant pause a little bit here But it's going to be held here at Journey, so just come to the main building, 7 p.m. It's a great place to find some community, hang out with other men who are believers in Christ, and just grow together. So hopefully we'll see you there.
2: That was beautiful. Um, So another group here at Journey, MOPS, which stands for Moms on Purpose, um, wants you to save the date for July 19th. That's when they're going to be having a church-wide bunco event. This is gonna serve as a fundraiser for some of their upcoming programming, and we'll have more information about that in the upcoming weeks, but for now, just make sure you're marking your calendar for that evening. Um, also, through the month of July, The Crash, which is our seventh through 12th grade ministry, they won't be meeting on Thursday nights, but there will be other events throughout the month. So the best way to stay on top of that is to follow The Crash on social media just so you can see what nights other than Thursdays they'll be getting together.
1: Yeah, and specifically, The Crash is on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, you're probably too old to go to The Crash anyways. But the Instagram account is just at thecrashav, so you can follow them and figure out when those events are going to be going on this summer. That's all we've got for you today. So if y'all want to stand up, say hello to somebody around you, and Tyler's going to be coming up in just a moment for his message.
3: Good morning, good morning. How are we doing this morning, Jenny? How many of you only showed up today because the earthquakes scared the bejesus out of you and you are ready to get some Jesus? You're like, I was going on vacation, but no, we are here for Jesus today because the earthquakes may swallow us up. We don't know what to do. That is what it's all about. Well, my name is Tyler. We are kicking off a brand new series uh, this week called Let It Be. How many of you have a problem letting things be? You just, that's a struggle in your life to just let it be. Let things lie. Let them be what they are. You got you to gotta meddle. You got to get involved. You got to do something about it. It's more than raise your hands. We're just going to say that. It's more than raise your hands. But that's okay. I think there's a reason for that though, right? So when we talk about letting it be and just uh, and allowing things to kind of play out, I think it's because... There's something innately in us that recognizes that things aren't as they should be. So we got to help. We got to fix it, right? Letting it be is a tension because when you look around this world, you realize there's not a lot that is as it should be, it seems. You know, I sit on a stool because I am not as I should be, you know, uh, I wanted to come up with a really cool story, you know, that I like ran into the middle of a street to save a baby before it got hit by a car, you know, it broke my leg and like, you know, but really we just were playing ultimate frisbee at the park and I'm getting older and I I tripped backwards and uh, the doctor was like, yep, that's it. And so I'm not wearing the boot though, because I can't let it be. So (laughs) sorry, can't do it. It's ugly. Um, problem. Let it be let it be we struggle with let it be um i think it's so funny when we look around you start looking around for at life and where you know things like this week with fourth of july happen and you have something incredible but then you kick off fourth of july with this crazy earthquake and you're like what the heck is going on um this is a season i think where god has some really interesting things to say and i'm really excited about it because as we kick off this series and it comes to this idea of letting it be, um, you realize that every single one of us in this room is just trying to figure out how to do this thing best. You know, something like an earthquake can legitimately and literally shake you back into reality. Right? I don't think that there's anything that makes us more aware of more, our like, mortality than something like a natural disaster, something like that, that you're like, yeah, I have zero control. I can be as big and as strong and as you know, intelligent and this, that, and the other thing as I want, but if the earth swallows me whole, it is irrelevant, right? If something opens up and like, you can't even run out to your backyard, and then you get to just watch the news and watch endless pools going like this... We're gonna now go to uh, someone else's pool and show you what theirs looks like as the earthquake affected it. You know, like after the sixth pool, I was like, can we turn this off now? We get the picture, like it was, there were waves. We got it. Um, But when we think about letting it be, when we think about this whole idea of of original intent, why we're here, what this is all about, um, you can't help, and you've heard, probably heard this before, but you can't help going forward until you go back. And so this morning, what I felt God really begin to to put on my heart is this idea of looking back at the original intent, because there was, in fact, intent. There was purpose. There was something about this that was meaningful. You are not here by happenstance. And I'm not just talking about today. I'm talking about your life, your existence, not an accident. So to start off, I want to kick it off by just reading a little bit from Genesis. We're going to break this down because I think in order to understand like some of the things that were intended for us, we got to go back to the way things were originally designed. You know, I think a lot of times when we read Old Testament, um, especially like Genesis, there's such a disconnect. Because how do you pick apart and how do we pick something out of these, you know, these writings that are ancient thousands of years old and expect to get something from them you know if you can get beyond just i mean if we can as we start breaking down one of the greatest tensions in our world right now is in and how you know enlightened we are in our technologically savvy way is whether or not there is even a creation even the idea of it is under attack Is there purpose? Is there meaning? You go to school, and more times than not, you're hearing other theories than this one. Scientists have very different things to say. You get beyond that to the fact of seeing that creation is, in fact, that there was intentional design. Then you have to overcome the hurdles of, you know, what does a day actually mean? Is it a literal day? day which was you know hundreds or thousands of years are you do you fit into the old world theology or a new world theology and idealism of how this thing works did God create originally and then things evolved into what they were or did God really create them and they were what they were so many questions right so many thoughts so many opinions so many feelings But when we look at Genesis 1, 1, and 2, this is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. I want to camp on one idea really quickly. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. This has massive implications. We could literally do an entire series just on this alone. If we wanted to break this down, we could get into the implications of what this means. We could get into the original Hebrew. We could start to break all of this down for you to break it into what's going on. But the point that I feel like uh, we're here to make this morning is the idea that in the beginning, God, which m- is intended to establish the center stage person, the main person, character the main idea where things start and end starts with God in the beginning God what did God do God created see this is significant as well because to know that God created is to know is to put God in his place and therefore to put us in ours In a world that tells you, you can be your own God, you design your own truth, you create your own reality, you create your own theology, you do you, (laughs) boo-boo. You are in a world that says you are God. Do you. Do your own thing, your own way. But the original story says, in the beginning, God. God created Which means there is intention, there is design, there is purpose. This isn't an accident, a cosmic happenstance that now you've gotta figure out what to do with. There's meaning. This is a moment that counts. You are intentionally placed in a moment in history that matters, not by accident. This is significant. Why I think it's significant is because rather than focusing on the how, and scripture goes into it a bit, but rather than scripture focusing exclusively on the how, it starts out by establishing a who. And I think that matters because I think to start off, you start getting rocked in the core of how you think and your ideology when we start off by saying in the beginning God instead of in the beginning you. In the beginning, me, right? Because isn't that how our days start and end? In the beginning, me. What do I think, what, how do I feel, what do I need, what do I like, what do I hate, what do I want? In the beginning, me. There's a country song that where he just says, I wanna talk about me, I wanna talk about I, I wanna talk about number one. Oh, my, me, my. What I think, what I want, what I like, what I know, what I see. I think we feel like that a lot. I think that is a song that is so natural to the depths of us that it actually is kind of unnerving. In the beginning, God created... There is intention, there is design. Created story goes on to establish some important things, but not just to establish the importance and the details of how. Scripture could easily go into that, but what he establishes instead is he creates this imagery, this important, these I think these ideas that, that we miss so much of the time. So I want to break into them. He starts by establishing the created order. He starts out and you start hearing... God say, let there be. Let there be. He speaks and there is. Let there be. He starts out by establishing these different landscapes, as it were. The heavens, the oceans, the seas, the waters, and then the lands. The grounds. In the first three days, he establishes and creates those. And then in the second days, four through six, he fills them. He fills the heavens with stars and the moon and the sun. He fills the sea with sea creatures and fish. Fills the earth with animals and creepy crawlers. And we see this and we start to wonder, okay, so what? How does creation have to do with where you're at today, post just going and buying 16 things of bottled water, just in case, you know, the apocalypse happens this weekend. You, where you're struggling with bills and, and life and relationship and kids. Or maybe you're young and you're looking for your future and what's to come. And maybe you're not so young and you're still thinking about your future and when you're going to grow up. What you're going to do. I think this is significant because this begins to help us establish an understanding of who we are and who God is. See, this is written to an, an, uh, an intentional group of people. This is during a time where paganism is running rampant. This is a big deal because as it's being written, the world around is um, they are worshiping the sun, the moon and the stars. See, when man, man is going to worship something, we can just establish that out right out the gate. Every man worships something. Man and woman, human beings are created to worship. So we worship something. we all do. It may be yourself. it may be any number of things, but we all worship. But in the olden days, during the time of the of the pagans and the, the people with rituals and things that were archaic, barbaric, they worshipped the things that seemed bigger than them. So the sun got worshipped. The moon and the stars were worshipped. The sea was worshipped. The creatures that were big and vast and crazy in the sea were worshipped. The land was worshipped. Fertility was worshipped. Why? Because you had to figure out how to get on the right side of whatever that thing was so you could get the goods from it, right? So that life would be fruitful, that it would be effective, that it would do what it needed to do. What are we really here for? I think most of us are in the pursuit of some kind of semblance of joy. We want some kind of meaning, something. We're fighting for it. We're looking for it. We're trying for it. But we don't even know where to start. So what did the pagans do? They started creating beings, started creating idols to help them understand how to worship. So they, they have these beings now that represented the sun God and, and the moon God and the stars and the and the this God and the sea God and all of that. And this is intended to help us understand that in the beginning, God created these things rather than, than these things being over us, God is saying, no, 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 no. These things are under me. So God creates. And the progression of creation is meant to show the significance and the value of that creation. And he saves the best for last. He moves into creating an image bearer. Let's take a look at Genesis 1, 26 through 28. See what it says. It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image... "...to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground." So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them and said, "...be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground." There's only three places in Genesis, in this first bit of creation story, that we see blessings taking place. It is that the first one is that God blesses the animals and the, and the birds to reproduce. God blesses humanity to be fruitful, and then he blesses a day. And we'll get into that later on. Uh, that's a sermon for another time. But this idea of being blessed to be fruitful was, that, was meant to showcase that God created us to be able to create To procreate we get a taste of that i mean i honestly i don't know how you can't believe in god when you hold a being in your arms that spent nine months in a stomach that something is created and nurtured and developed and you watch as these bodies transform as into incubators to be able to take care of this this little fragile being and you and then you bring out this innocence Meeting my nephew for the first time, you just stand there in awe. I just picked up his little pinky and was like, what the heck is this? It has a nail. It's like this big. What the heck? That's incredible. Is that not amazing? We were created as image bearers. It's the one place in the creation story that... That God deliberates, that he says, let us make. In all the moments before this, he just says, let there be, let there be, let there be light. Let there be, let there be uh, the darkness and expanses over and separation. And let there be the oceans and, and let there be. And he starts creating through let there be's," But in this moment, he says, let us make. There is intimacy and connection associated with this interaction. You don't fully see it in this, uh, this section because it's kind of just broken down. But we are, in fact, image bearers. This in and of itself is extremely significant. Because for those of us who are living in a world where we're just trying to exist and just trying to get by, it might do something for us to know that you were designed intentionally, beautifully, and very good. That God saw fit to create us in his image, the ability to recognize that we have the ability to connect spiritually, to discern what's going on in the world. We're not just animalistic creatures that are just here to, you know, to survive. We're meant to thrive. Image bearers ambassadors to a world see in in the pagan cultures they believed that the kings were basically gods because the kings were the representation they were the human representation of that god to humanity in egypt the pharaoh was god in representation to his people so they served him emperors as well in in ancient cultures they worshiped them But not so dissimilar, God created us in his image to bear a representation of who he is to the world, to rule, to reign, to lead, to be. Folks, you were not just designed to to try to find a way of just existing. There is intention. Intention. But some of you, you need to hear simply that this morning. Your life is not a mistake. Whether it's been spoken at, over you by churches, parents, teachers, coaches, or, or whether it's your own voice that you hear, there is intention, and God makes no mistakes. Break it down further, I want to look at Genesis chapter 2 because Genesis 2 does this beautiful thing where it kind of takes the generalized story and then it hones in specifically on this beautiful moment. It like kind of skips over a lot of the other stuff and it just jumps straight into the creation of humanity because this matters. This is what it says starting in chapter or in 2 starting in verse 4 says when the lord god made the, the earth and the heavens neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth for the lord god had not yet sent rain to water the earth and there were no people to cultivate the soil instead springs came up from the ground and watered all the lands then the lord god formed the man from the dust of the ground he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees to grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Love this picture. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life. It's the only place where we see this. There's intimacy involved in this. Intentionality. Life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. Who in this room has heard of the garden of Eden? Most of us, right? Paradise, perfection. Beauty, goodness. Did you know that there's a couple translations for, for this word Eden? One of them is uh, fertile, because the ground was fertile and God also made humanity fertile. But did you know another translation of this word Eden is the word delight? The word delight. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. God created man and then placed him in the center of delight. See, this will mess with your theology. As you guys come today, just so we're all on the same page, we all came with a theology. You live out of your theology every single day. It would take a couple days to be able to observe you to know what your personal theology is, but you believe certain things about God and about yourself, and they are implemented in your everyday life. And there are some interesting ideas of how we go about delight because in most of our lives and in the case of most of our experiences, we do not find delight in God. We have found that we look for delight outside of him, do we not? Do we not find that delight is what we are all in search of, happiness, joy, we want all the goods, we want the best of life. So we're searching for all of that. But do not, do we not, more times than not find that and feel like God is holding out on us in the way that we would want so we start going around him to try to find delight what would it do to our theology to begin to actually believe that the creator of the universe intended and created humanity and put them in the center of delight that life was meant to be enjoyed That life was meant to be lived to the full. That life was actually meant to be experienced. That you didn't have to go away from God to get the good stuff. That it was actually through God you would experience the fullness of everything that your heart deeply longed for. What if just the simple idea, if you took nothing else from this message today, what if the simple idea of God is the center of delight and God intended us for delight... What would that do to your ideology, your theology, to your understanding, to your everyday life? Would it change where you go for it? You see, God created all these things, but much like the pagans, even though we, lived in the, we live in the enlightened age and we live with technology and we live with so many things, so we are not so stupid as to carve out of metal and wood and objects idols, we just worship love. See how interesting is it that something beautiful that God created, now our culture has made the center of delight. How much pressure is it for your significant other to be responsible for your daily delight? That for the of their lives when you commit to each other, that what our culture has taught is that you are responsible for each other's delight, that I have to make you bring. That delight need up every single day. And if I don't do that, then we may not use this language. But the idea is, in fact, you no longer bring me delight. Therefore, I must find it elsewhere. Is that not true of how we approach our marriages, our relationships? Because we really believe and our culture has taught us yeah, you want fulfillment, you find it in a relationship. You got to find the love of your life. They're secret hidden somewhere. You got to go start around to find them. Might happen in the most unexpected, beautiful, romantic comedy ways. Hilarious and funny and beautiful and cool and some tension, but also you get back together and you love each other so much forever. Right? That's what we're taught, isn't it? Isn't that how we're trained? Isn't that how we're, we're brought up? Our culture has brought this into our minds. We've romanticized this idea. But really, suddenly, a person becoming responsible for my delight is, brings nothing but disappointment and destruction. How many of all married couples know you have been disappointed a time or two by your significant other? <laughs> I'm not going to look over there.
4: <laughs>
3: yes. Yes. You wake up one morning and you look over and you're like, oh, it's still you. Dang. You don't quite look the way you used to. Delight. When we put that person in that place of delight, suddenly they become the idol that we worship. It becomes the very thing that we worship. Suddenly, now they are responsible for bringing that into our lives every day. Who can fulfill that quota? Most of us can't even bring delight to our own lives, much less somebody else's. Can you fulfill your own quota for delight, for joy, for fulfillment? And yet we go to somebody else and we're like, yep, you're my everything. You are everything, you're my everything. I love you, I need you, I need you. And we're like, and we're supposed to like, that's supposed to be romantic? That is terrifying. (laughs) Terrifying, right? Every song on the radio, so many things. I'm like, what in the world? You know what comes out of worshiping of things? Addictions, loss of identity. You get stuck in a relationship with a person. You lose yourself. You know what happens? Codependency. Emotional dependency. We lose ourselves. People were not intended to be worshipped. But to be partnered with. We worship our work. Some of us worship our accomplishments. We find, we look for delight in those things. Work is good. It says it right here. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. This is what it says. The Lord God placed The man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Verse 15, though, says the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. The term is literally to work it. Work is not a result of the fall. Work was intentional part of our purpose, our design. You can find delight in your work. That's okay, but when we become workaholics, we start to have a problem. The problem is, the main problem is, our culture celebrates workaholism more than anything else. You get shamed for being an alcoholic, but you're a workaholic, good for you. Good for you for staying over the weekend at work. Good for you for coming home late. Good for you for, you know, for putting in those hours, for for doing your thing, for making those accomplishments, for making it to the top. Meanwhile, your family has not seen you and you've not been able to delight in them and you don't know how long. You don't know the last time that you sat across from your spouse or your kids eating dinner together and just able to delight and enjoy the very things that your accomplishments were intended to help you create in the first place. We lose it all, right? You have someone who is in pursuit of finding delight. Their delight is going to be in their finances, in their money. So if I make more money, I'm going to really begin to delight. And then they sacrifice all the things that that money was meant to help share with, like, the people they love. Because they turn around after they've received it. And most of them, those people aren't there. Because they never cared about those things that you're pursuing for delight. We were created to delight. I think most of us just needed to hear this morning that your delight isn't away from God. It's with God. The other thing is, delight is not something that is earned. It is something that is found. See, delight, most of us think that delight. And my dad spoke an incredibly beautiful message on religion versus the relationship last week to end out our uh, series. If you didn't hear it. Go look, at, look for it on our podcast, listen to it, it will change your life. It was a phenomenal message. But in that, I think we still of the need for religion in our lives today, because I think most of us still to some degree, we may not ever verbalize it, but what we believe is, this is an angry, kind of upset God. I have to appease Him if I do enough good things because I know I'm still doing bad things and I can't, seem to over, like, I can't seem to end all the bad things that I'm doing, but maybe I can overcompensate with some good stuff. And then if I do that and make God happy, maybe then He'll bless me and those blessings I can delight in. So we come up with prosperity gospels and we come up with all this stuff that, like, God just wants you to be happy and He just wants you to do good stuff and He just wants you to have more and consume more and take more What? I don't see that in God's created order. What I do see is that God intended delight. He created delight. But it is not exclusively in any of those one pursuits that we seek them out in. They are in him. You know what made the garden the place of delight? One, that it was beautiful because God created it intricately and designed it. But the other thing was because He was there, He was in it. This, in a sense, became uh, you know His cathedral. This this was His place that He He resided with Adam and Eve with these people. Delight was found in and with Him. We were created to delight. We were created to celebrate. We were created to enjoy, to have, have parties, to have Fourth of July together and have a good time and to be able to look at the people around you and see the beauty of what was created. But everything that we delight in, I mean, what was, when was the last time you were able to delight in something truly, to truly enjoy it? You know, we delight, we look for delight in sex. Yep, we just said it in church again. We delight, we look for delight in all of these empty pursuits and we come up short time and time again. So we get on more and more uh, prescription medications that help us deal and cope with our disappointments, our lack of control in a world that seems to just have no hope. And nothing good in it. And yes, some of you are going to sit here and be like, but you're not talking about the fall. You ain't talking about sin. And you're right. There is brokenness. But I think it is enough. And we will get there. Do trust. we got a whole series for this. But to begin, it is enough to know that God created us to delight. And that we can delight even now. Even to today. That there is an ability to delight in beauty watching randall and ashley um prepare for their baby to be born ashley's pregnant i don't know if y'all know that i literally prayed last night god please don't let her have her baby in the morning because i'm really relying on them to do the giving and announcements if they don't show up we are in bad shape he heard my prayer no they are but they are pregnant they're in pursuit of you know this next phase of life of family and and preparing and and nesting, and nurturing, and it's this beautiful, natural thing, this incredible experience of watching all this take place in order for this baby to be born. Getting to watch my nephew is a moment, was a moment of delight. I delight in things that are done with excellence. I love Disneyland for this reason. I think about being a kid. One of my favorite memories growing up, my dad and my mom, when we were, when we were little, would, um, one day a year, when we, they'd scrounge up enough money, my mom would save all, she was a hairdresser for a lot of years, and she would save all of her money, she'd work from the house, save up all of her money all year round, and then with that money, we would go to Disneyland as our one big outing of the year, because we were poor. But, and we would go to some janky hotels, you know, like sketchy, but we didn't care, because all that mattered is you would wake up to this Tarzan soundtrack playing throughout the entire house. That was your alarm clock, and you knew we are headed to Disneyland. That was the cue, and we would show up, and it was this magical, beautiful place, and I loved it because the detail, things are done with with intentionality and with and like with purpose, right? How many things do you see? Do you just enjoy because they were done? like intricately somebody paid attention to the details where my detail folks at you know it could be delighting in a beautiful in an incredibly delicious meal something done well right some in in a in an incredible work of craftsmanship we delight in that that's why some of you you love cars and things like that why because it's There's something beautiful in its design. We delight in relationships. I got to delight as I sat around people that I loved on the 4th of July and look over and watch my parents cuddle, knowing that this time last year my dad was fighting for his life in a hospital bed. That 4th of July last year was not a fun time for our family. We didn't even get to go to the hospital because he was doing so poorly. So my mom stayed with him the entire day and then she drove home that night when they finally closed it up and had to drive to the house watching the fireworks go off by herself as we all as a family are trying to like, yay, 4th of July. But to have him back and them together is a moment of utter sheer delight. It's beautiful, it matters. Creation, how many of you can go to the beach or to the mountains, to the lake, to a beautiful sunset and just feel your heart delight? Right? Something that just refills you, it restores you, it refreshes you. Y'all, we were designed for this. We were created for it. And, and when we are connected to God, we can tap in and live from it. It is not something to be uh, to be bought or to be earned It is found, and it is found in our creator. It is found in our king. It is found in our God. Psalms 37.4 says it this way as we get ready to close. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, this is the interesting thing. I always took this, and this was like a magic formula to me. So it's like, you know, I'd be at like summer camp, and I'd be like, God, I'm so happy with you right now. Yes. Yes, Lord. So now can I have that girlfriend? <laughs> no. no. Cool. You know, we do this. We want to twist God's arm. We want to make it a formula. We want to make it a thing. But in reality, God is saying this, you delighting in God actually puts you in contact with God. You start to understand God, his intentions, his purposes for this world. And as you do, it starts to re-evaluate like evaluate our entire thinking, our 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 intentions, our purposes, our desires all start to shift. We stop looking for that one person that's going to be the end-all, be-all of our satisfaction and our joy on life that's meant to please our every need forever. That amount of money that, you know, just a little bit more that never shows up because just a little bit more is always not quite enough. The stuff that accumulates and gets put in boxes in our rafters that we pass on to our kids and they throw away because they didn't want it in the first place, right? But to delight, it is ingrained in each of us because it was designed in us by our creator. You were made to delight. You were made to enjoy. And the beauty of this message is that you do not have to earn it. Adam was created and then placed in it when we connect with god when we choose to engage with our creator when we choose to allow our theology to actually align with our everyday lives we will start to experience delight we will start to see the gifts for what they are the beautiful moments and you will find yourself rather than just being like wow this is a really cool moment your heart will lean into worship and say god this is amazing thank you just a moment in your own heart. It's nothing crazy, it's nothing super spiritual. We try to make everything like this show, this performance, this production like God did it all. I'm like chill out, bro. Just say it in your heart. Jesus knows. And I know too. Delight. You see God did the three first days and created and then he did the three last days, but the intention was that he put them in their natural habitat where they belonged. He put the sea creatures in the sea and he put the land creatures on the land and he put the stars in the heavens and then he put men in delight. It's what we were created for. And when we live in accordance with him, his purposes, his plans, when we start to let him be God and us be image bearers, we start to experience and stumble upon the things the way he designed them. This morning, you don't have to earn that. That would be religion. But you can engage it by allowing the gift that god offers through his son jesus to become a gift that you receive that says i know i'm broken yes there is the fall we will get to chapter three do trust there is a chapter three and the fall happens and it affects humanity and broke us apart and the struggle for delight now we instantly our heart wanders and we look for idols to worship, things to put in place of God. And we look for ways of finding delight outside of him because we don't trust that he's going to to help us find the delight that we think we want, need. But he offers his son and it's a relationship and it's for free today. And we're going to pray. I'm going to invite you to just engage with God because my prayer and my belief is that as we start to allow God to be God and us to be his image bearers, we can start to let it be. And as we let it be, we start to recreate the garden in our current world today. The Garden of Eden becomes a place of delight. The Antelope Valley becomes an Eden in a very dark and hopeless world. Because it doesn't, we don't need more greenery for that. Although it does look good. All we really need... Is the connection with our creator to engage in delight and the garden is a natural byproduct let's pray father this morning i thank you that we can trust that you are in control father for those of us who struggle and are plagued with doubts and questions and fears and uncertainties and maybe just Guilt and and feelings of unworthiness. Father, I pray that this morning we would see that your intentions for us are good, that your desires for us are good, that the purpose that you have placed us on this earth for is good, that we can find meaning in our work, that we can find meaning in our relationships, but they are not the end to that meaning. You are. You alone. God, that when we engage you, when we seek to get to know you, when we find ourselves growing in relationship with you and intimacy, when we learn what it is to delight in you, we will find all these things added. You are where we delight. Everything else that comes as a result is just the icing on the cake. God, I pray that we would be a community that creates Eden in this valley. That we would be a community who creates Eden in our in our workplaces, in our schools. Father, that as we live delighting in you, that we would not help but begin to emanate that. And that it would just ooze out of us and the people around us. And that they would be so attracted to what they see. That they would not help but come into relationship with you because they see true delight. God, I pray for those who are in search today that they would engage you and find your son. As you invite them into a relationship, they would receive it and recognize that all the stuff that stands in the way was taken care of on the cross. That they are loved, accepted, that delight is not something that that people can be disqualified from. No matter how bad things are, the moment we turn to you, the journey towards Eden begins. So we thank you, Father. Lead us and guide us as we go through our weeks. Prepare our hearts as you intend to speak to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Why not you go and stand? We're going to close in a song.